This is the Bob McCallum Podcast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. I am the aforementioned, and uh, that is John Shannon over there, who was Hello, not Robert in the show opening, but no, I'm is not. mentioned now being mentioned now. Well, that's very kind of a you. significant contributor and uh, a guy who uses a lot of time on this program to um, speak and change the topic. Which undoubtedly he will do with our next guest, because we have a variety of things to discuss with uh, Mr. Armstrong. Jack Armstrong will be with us today. Uh, His football team in Buffalo has a big game this weekend. His basketball team has now won a couple in a row. And uh, I suspect we will discuss a little bit his singing prowess. You think? Which was last month um, brought to the fore. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I might now. I'm sure you will. Jack Armstrong, voice of the Raptors, when we come back after this. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the BetRivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. Bet Rivers. Dot com. McCowan and Shannon back with you. Under normal circumstances, uh, we would have Jack Armstrong with us to talk about basketball, and we will spend some time doing that. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention the oh, uh, Buffalo oh, Bills. Hold on, hold on. Before we do the Buffalo Bills. Yes. Bob, when was the last time you stood in front of 300 people and sang Christmas carols? I've never done that. Well, Mr. our pal, Mr. Armstrong, where's I your... Know. Where's your uh, Where's the album, Jack? Do you have a copy right there? Yeah. I I don't can't have believe a copy you don't have. It. So Jack J- D- Danforth Music Hall. It was actually in front of close to fifteen hundred people. Actually, oh, there, okay. <laughs> so our pal Armstrong has an album out, or you can download it, of Christmas carols, and money goes to charity, right, Jack? Yeah, my money goes to Special Olympics Canada, and. Um... MLSE Foundation. So yeah, so I, I did a Christmas album and it was a lot of fun. And then we and did a Christmas concert. concert. Yeah, Christmas concert at the Danforth Music Hall. And then I did another one at Union Station for the commuters on a Friday afternoon. So, uh, and you know, guess what? I'm going to be playing like cruise ships soon, like or <laughs> no, no. or in se- or in senior right. citizen homes, one or the other. You Listen, know? if I go to Clarence, if I go to Clarence and I hear you singing on the PA system at Wegmans, I'm going to be ticked off. Okay. <laughs> Well, actually, I did that as well at Sobeys for the folks at Sobeys. So go figure. What a country. What a country, Bobcat. I'm stunned by this news. <laughs> oh. um, did you practice at all? Did you rehearse oh. before you did any of this? Yes. Or uh, he's a professional I, now. Yeah. You know, when, I, when I did the album, I did two days of rehearsal in April, and then we mm-hmm. cut the album in May because we did not only uh, the upload, download, whatever you want to call it, we did vinyl albums. Yes. Uh, 
you know, vinyl's a very hot thing these days. And uh, so they had to have the album done by the end of May. And then when I did the concert, we did three days of rehearsal uh, for the concert. So uh, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. So uh, it was an ama amazing experience. Uh, I love music. Uh, I, you know, I grew up in an Irish family. My brother, Brendan plays the accordion. He's a wonderful Irish singer. And uh, you know, you grow up and you have to know how to sing. You got to know how to sing an Irish song and all that. So I always loved Christmas uh, from the time I was in fourth grade. I actually sang white Christmas in front of my whole school when I was in the fourth grade. Uh, so literally I've always loved music. I've always loved Christmas and, you know, over the years on the, on, on the Raptor games, I've always sung Christmas carols. Uh, so these guys called me up four years ago and said, Hey, we think it'd be a really cool idea for you to do uh, a Christmas album. Uh, and, you know, obviously with the pandemic and all that, didn't think it was the right time. We were like, Hey, they kept calling me every year. And I said, finally, okay, I'll do it. And under one pretense that every you know everything I do it goes to charity. So uh, just for a fun thing, I'm no Nat King Cole or Bing Crosby, but uh, I gave it my best shot. So, so now, what you do the concert every year now, Jack? Is that the deal? Are you going to the Danforth Music Hall every year? I don't know. Uh, the it was run by Live Nation, and the guy from Live Nation after the concert said, "We'd love to have you back next year." <laughs> so I. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. So here, so this is here's Beyonce. She works with Live Nation. Lady Gaga. She works with Live Nation. Oh, and our pal Jack Armstrong. Almost everybody. Yeah, Live Nation. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> I, you know, no, it, it was literally one of those moments in life where you just go, I cannot believe. You know, I've never in, in never look. I never in my wildest dreams ever thought I'd be doing this. I thought I was going to coach my whole life. Yeah, but and, you're lousy uh, I, at that. I'm well. I'm lousy at this too, but uh, oh, I was probably I'm, I'm, I'm probably a lousy singer as well. But uh, uh, you know, like so, you're up there and you're going, "Oh my god!" I mean, I love to sing. I'm not shy, and, <laughs> I, but I, but I was really, I was really nervous. I'll bet you uh, were. I yeah. was really nervous, and then once I got into it, and you know, it's like it's like you're you're training as a, an athlete or as a coach. You know, proper planning prevents poor performance. And I felt like we were prepared. Mm. So I went out there and I was like, and the musicians were, were unbelievable. They were like, hey, man, you got this. I'm like, really? I'm like, no, you got this. You're ready. So I went out there and just went with it. And we had a great time. Well, I, I, I have witnessed Jack at golf tournaments, Bob. Oh, yeah. Where, where our pal, Mr. Armstrong, takes over the post-dinner event uh, and sings Oh, Danny Boy. Or once in a while, but usually there's about seven beers involved. Yeah, I'm drinking that. water right now. I can't sing for you right now because I'm not, you know. You got to be in the mood, you know. <laughs> the, the truth is Jack has to be hammered in order to sing, or at least. But that night at the Danforth Music Hall, I wasn't. And, you know. It, it, oh, really? If you've, if you've ever been around musicians, they all kind of walk outside yeah. Uh, and, and they have, you know, they have the green room and there's beer in there and whatever booze. And I'm just hanging out, drinking water. And usually I'm up for a good time, you know, but yeah, uh, I know. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to sing in front of all these people. So uh, finally, we got to a point like we're in the, uh, two thirds of the way through the concert. And literally, instead of doing an encore, uh, we kind of did the encore towards the end. And literally, uh, they brought out a pint of Guinness and a shot of Jameson for me. 
Oh yeah. And, and I literally, uh, I sang, um, I sang acapella. I sang Danny Boy in honor of my mother. And then uh, I sang my way in honor of my wife. And, uh, you know, I spoke, I spoke about my mom. I spoke about my wife. My wife was in the audience and uh, I had my pint and my, and then finished the concert with three or four Christmas songs. And that was it. So it was a lot of fun. Oh, now, did you yeah. choose, did you choose the tunes yourself or did somebody help you with that? Uh, the Christmas songs, uh, I chose pretty much myself. Uh, and then after we did rehearsal, they really helped me with kind of the tone to sing it in, like the, the voice, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, these guys are professional musicians and uh, they were great. And then we did, we did, uh, I, I love the Beatles. So we ended up doing a Beatles a song at the concert. We sang A Hard Day's Night, which is oh, one of you? my favorite, favorite early Beatles songs. And that was great. And then right after we sang Hard Day's Night, I did uh, Danny Boy, My Way. And then we wrapped up with a few more Christmas songs. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think people were shocked that, uh, we, you know, we did a Beatles song and then I sang these songs, people that hadn't seen me before, uh, you know, they were shocked that you got up there and did it. So I loved it. It was great. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. It was just a, a joyful experience. That's for sure. I, I can hardly wait for the cross Canada tour, you know, Jack <laughs> well, Armstrong actually, live nation presents. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually it's already like guys have said to me, well, how about what, well, you know, why don't you go next year to like Ottawa? And Halifax, and uh, you know, do a show in Vancouver or Edmonton. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So we'll see. You know, yeah, so go, if, if you if you go one of those places, I'm going with you, Jack. So, what? Um, how many in the orchestra behind you? Approximately two, uh, five guys in the band, and then oh, yeah. two young two young ladies that were, uh, you know, vocalists, backup singers. And, yes, and they were. They they had beautiful voices and. Uh, they really helped me a lot, you know, in terms of, I, I've never had singing in, you know, singing instruction. I mean, but I've sung my whole life, but I just, I am who I am. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, congratulations on the tour. I think it's fantastic. Well, yeah. I and think the so. album and everything else. Okay. Should okay, we get that, to, uh, that, that, sorry for the hijacking the uh, show again, Bob. So. That's what you do all the time. That's Why what I do. Why should I be surprised? Um, what do you make of this basketball team? Who the Lakers? <laughs> no, you know who I mean. Uh, number one, I think uh, the Raptor, the expectations for this team going into the season probably were a notch above where they should have been. Um, they had a really nice finish to the second half of the season. Shooting was still a flaw. And then you have Otto Porter hurt during training camp, and he's obviously out for the year. And he was their big free agent acquisition. Yeah. And he kind of, he kind of on paper, he kind of fit what their need was, and what you know. I think if he's healthy, he could really help them. And you know, so without that, they're kind of like the same team that they were a year ago. And yet, they've had a lot of injuries. They have the third most starting lineups in the league. Precious Achua has been out for a long time. Now he's finally back. He was a great story in the second half of the year last year. You know, Chris Boucher's had a disappointing year. Uh, Fred Van Vliet has had a lot of games where he's been not the same Fred Van Vliet we're used to. And you put it all together with injuries and yada, 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 and they missed Siakam for a while and a lot of other things. And 
it just hasn't come together. And the other thing is too, and, and Bob, I'll say this because I experienced this this summer. I know, geez, I was with John Shannon on a golf trip in Cabot. John lives the good life. I don't know if you know that, but I do. Uh, I was at a, on a, and seriously, I had people come up to me all across Canada and say, I wouldn't trade Scotty Barnes straight up for Kevin Durant with all the Kevin Durant drama with the Nets. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Are you kidding me? I mean, seriously. I mean, Scotty Barnes was rookie of the year. He's a nice young player. <clears throat> we don't know yet how good he's going to be. None of us know how good he's going to be yet. I guess I, not. I, I don't know. And, and but my point is, in the world we live in now, the hype machine gets totally ahead of itself and yeah. out of control. And now the pressure on this kid and the expectations for him. And, you know, let's face it. Young people aren't immune to hearing all this stuff. And that affects you as a player, too, a little bit. That, uh, to me, and, and I'm not knocking him. I'm not knocking Kevin Durant. I'm just saying that sometimes things get a little haywire and off track and unrealistic. And, you know, let's face it, he's had a little bit of the sophomore jinx this year. He's had a number of games where he's uh, hasn't played to the level he's capable of playing at. Now, there are many other times that he has. Uh, he just has not taken that next step consistently yet. Can he? Will he? Only time will tell. I think the kid's got great upside. I think he's got a chance to be really good. Uh, but in time. And I think mm -hmm. the problem is everything gets rushed. The hype machine catches fire. And now people lose their minds and are telling me, I wouldn't trade this kid straight up at Kevin Durant. I'm going, Are you you? this is one of the 75 greatest players to ever play the game. Are yeah. you kidding me? Seriously. Yeah. No, you're right. You're 100% right. The, the Barnes thing's an interesting one, too, because, uh, you know, and I've seen this in other sports with other athletes. Young guy, good season. Then in our country, advertisers go all over him. And I saw more Scotty Barnes commercials. I've seen more Scotty Barnes commercials this year than any other athlete in our country. And that has an adverse effect at times because you start to believe your own stuff, right? No, you're right. And and that and that is uh that is kind of what I'm saying is yeah. that you you, you uh and, and and don't discount the fact that other guys see that too, you know, and and the reality is um the great Dean Smith uh wouldn't allow you know wouldn't allow underclassmen <laughs> any hype whatsoever. Uh, and then, you know, the only people that were ever on the cover of the media guide of the North Carolina Tar Heels were the senior class. Now, wow. obviously that's years ago. It's a different era and things are at a totally different level and they ramped up dramatically. I get that. I respect that. The issue is to your point, John, uh, I think sometimes the hype machine takes over and I think it has an adverse effect on young players and development and reality and dialing in every night to what you need to do to be a successful pro athlete over a long period of time. You know, what's the old line? What did Aristotle say? Excellence is a habit, not an act. Who did, about, who did he play for? Aristotle? Ar he had a great jump shot. He was a terrific player, Aristotle. Yeah. He could nice really career. ball. He, he used to ball back in the day in Athens. He was a great, great player. <laughs> well, but, hey, uh, he was the original Greek freak, I guess. Huh? Is that right? <laughs>
So, but, but you know, so I, I think when you put it all together, uh, it just hasn't come together. They haven't been as connected as together. Now, uh, the last two games against Portland and Charlotte, now respectfully to the opponent, I get it's a different opponent, but they have, look a lot more together, connected. The ball's flying. They're sharing it. They're playing as a team again. So I think there's been some stuff they've had to work through a little bit. And, you know, I'm curious, at, like the next guy, I mean, we're recording this on a Thursday and, and the second half of the season starts tonight against Charlotte, game 42. But at the last two games I've seen, and I've done both games on television, uh, I kind of like what I've seen and the ball's moving and they're playing together as a team. And if they can do that, I think they'll have a good finish to the season. But they're a playoff team. And you you know yourself that since the You think they're a playoff team, Bob? Well, maybe they are. Okay. I think they're gonna they're gonna battle for a playoff spot, but that's that's what the expectation or the hope is that they make the playoffs. You know, since 2019, I think the the goal has changed. The ability of this team to win a championship changed changed the view of all fans. They want now championship caliber basketball, and this is not a championship caliber team. And we talk a lot about, okay, so we don't have Kawhi anymore. But think about it. Think about this. You don't have Kawhi. You don't have Green. You don't have Ibaka. You don't have Gasol. And you don't have Lowry. I mean, that probably was your starting five on, on many nights right there. This is like three years ago. Kawhi, Green, Ibaka, Gasol, Lowry. Mm-hmm. None of those guys are with this organization anymore. This is an entirely different group. I mean, you can say, you know, Van Vliet played a role, and he did. And Ibaka played, or uh, 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 Siakam. Siakam played a role, and he did. But they weren't starters. They weren't key guys. Um, you know, they were they were filling guys, guys who played minutes, but that weren't, weren't, certainly weren't the core of the team or the reason why they won a championship in and of themselves. So now the question becomes, okay, if this team isn't good enough to win a championship, do you mess with it? Do you trade? Do you try and get better? And if you do that, are you looking for young pieces to start over? Or are you looking for established stars like, you know, like the Kawhi deal? And those guys aren't out there right now, Jack, are they? No, it's a difficult situation right now. I think, uh, you know, I think Messiah Jerry has been on record as saying he doesn't like being in the middle. Right. Uh, I'm not a fan at all of the playing situation. I mean, 16 teams out of 30 is more than enough for I agree. playoffs. And adding another four to the mix, and none of those four teams are going to make the NBA Finals, all right? You're probably right. Most, most likely, none of the four are going to make the Conference Finals. So why are we wasting our time, and why are we dragging the season on for a made-for-TV event? But God forbid you disagree with the league office, because they like it, and that's all that matters. So whether you like it or not doesn't matter. They like it, and they think it makes money, and it's a made-for-TV event, so so be it. We're going to live with it. But what it does is it, it creates – now you have 20 teams that uh, are, are involved in that, and you have probably another two to four that maybe are on the fringe trying to get in, and you might have uh, – a coach that's under the gun that might lose his job. You might have an executive under the gun that might lose their job. 
you might have an owner demanding uh, that a few extra playoff dates in his in his arena. So you put all that together, and it slows the ability for people uh, to execute trades and be bold because uh, everyone's kind of moving at a little bit slower glacier-like pace to recognize what their team is and where they're at. Uh, but I, I do think Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, and they've done an excellent job here, Masai as well in his time in Denver. I mean, the track record's there. Uh, the reality is now it's, it's one of those things that you, they've let it breathe, they've let it marinate, and now you, this group right now is as healthy a team as you're going to have. You have everybody on board right now. Yeah. Otto Porter's out for the year. So now you this is so are you going to let it breathe a little longer and see what this group is, and uh, and make a move from there to add to it to subtract from it, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I I do think in the next few weeks they'll have made their minds up. They probably have already made their mind up of what they think this team is and where they want to go. I mean, ultimately your goal is to win a championship and build towards that. Can this group, as structured, or even the moves to structure from this group, what you can get for them in terms of assets, will that get you there? And that's the tough thing right now. And here's the other thing. You look at it. A lot of times you have to trade for that guy to get them to come here. Are they going to get a a top tier free agent to come to Toronto or you're better off using the trade, a trade process to get that person there. And then when they get here, they realize how great it is. And then you re-sign them. Uh, You know, so that, that's the other thing. Uh, I, I think uh, the idea of saving up a ton of cap space and say we're going to be a big player in the free agent market versus uh, being more of a trader and an acquisition guy. Right. I think if you're in Toronto, you're more of a trader and an acquisition guy. I agree. How much pressure on Nick? Well, uh, obviously, you know, there's the classic uh, pressure that the coach puts on himself. Right. Uh, but but clearly uh, there's pressure because there's, there were expectations on this team. And I think that's been part of the problem. And that is the expectations were very high. So you win 48 games last year. You go 27 to 14 in the second half of the year last year. You win 48. So people think you're going to be that team north of 50 and, you know, maybe win a round and go to the second round and make a lot of noise. And so far, after the half of the season, as we sit here today, they don't look at this point like that team is going to win. 50 is going to be incredibly hard. Uh, and then, you know, realistically, are they a team that you look at and say, wow, they're going to get to the second round of the playoffs. So with all that expectation and now you, you add in frustration because they haven't gotten to, they don't look like that team yet. Um that creates pressure on the coaches, pressure from the media. There's pressure from the fans. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's discussions internally that, hey, you know, this isn't good. We need to improve this. We need to fix this. All that, you know, is is a job in jeopardy? I don't think so. Uh, I'll say this. If you're Nick Nurse, and I joke about this all the time because pro coaching is a great gig in this era. Uh, I mean, if he were to ever to be fired by the Raptors, He's got two more firings in him after this one, <laughs> you know? So like the guy has a championship ring on his finger. Uh, he was one of the top, if not the best assistant coach in the league when he was hired to be a head coach. He's one of the best, if not the best head coach in the league right now. If I were a president or an owner, this is a guy that I, he would be on my short list 
for yeah. my head coach. So t- I joke, but if he were to leave Toronto tomorrow, he'll end up in wherever, uh, Sacramento, Portland. He'll go there for four or five years, get fired there, and he'll go to, uh, you know, Charlotte and do another five years and get fired there. But, you know, he'll make a ton of money. He'll do very well in his career. Uh, so you don't have to pass the hat for him. Uh, he's really good, and he's one of the best in the business. Uh, I don't think his job is in jeopardy, but but these expectations and the disappointment of the season as a coach always create that kind of pressure that is uncomfortable. Yeah, I actually wasn't thinking of it in terms of that, Jack. I was thinking of it in terms of, you know, he's a little bit of a, you know, he's a mad scientist, but he's also a perfectionist in his own way with his, with his uh, play designs and, and, and his approach to the game and, uh, how much pressure he's putting on himself more than anything else. Well, I, I, I would think uh, based upon where they finished last year and where they are right now, I think you do put a lot of pressure on yourself and that, you know, that there's no doubt. And and when you, when you don't perform, that creates frustration and, and uh, players feel that staff feels that you feel it. Everyone feels it. Um, and, you know, here's the other thing. I think the fan base, and Bob, you mentioned it before, uh, the fan base is, you know, now they've, they've experienced a championship. Uh, I've been here, this is my 25th year calling Raptor games. I've been here a lot of years where the team's been really bad. And we've been, we've been here together, Jack. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I look at it more in totality, uh, the bigger picture, and, you know, you're going to have years like this. Uh, but the fan base is is a young is a young fan base, and uh, instant gratification, and they don't have a real sense of history, which you know, and why not? That's good, great. I, I, they love the team. I think it's awesome. There's, but so that, that creates it creates even more pressure. But there were six. You understand that because there was what six eight years leading up to the championship, mm-hmm. where this was a very good team, a playoff team. Yeah, a team that aspired to win a championship. Well, a fifty-win team every year, Bob. Yeah, a 50 exactly. Fifty-win team every year. Well, you get spoiled by that, and you get no, to expect no that, and you expect that, and then they want they cap it off by winning a championship. And I mentioned five guys or six guys that were the the core of that team, and they don't they are not in Toronto any longer. Right, and and people forget that you know they think there's some you know lineage, and that lineage has ended almost immediately after that championship team. Those guys aren't here anymore. And and what's missing, you know, in my opinion, um, there are many things, but in Ibaka and Gasol, you had big guys who played big. And what you have now is a group of six, nine guys who try and play big and who who, who are asked to be big. They really don't have a center, Jack. I think you'd have to acknowledge that. Yeah, they don't have, no, the, the, they don't have no, a center that they can rely on. No, I mean, Christian Coloco, I think down the road, will end up being a pretty good player. The problem is he's a rookie. and it, it's uh, The great yeah. thing for him is they've thrown him in the deep end. I think it's going to help him uh, down the road, but it, it's a ways off yet. That's uh, right. I thought he was going to be playing. I think they probably thought he was going to be playing a lot of games at the 905 level. So did I. Get him seen. Now he's playing every night. Uh, for the which is which again is great. It's going to help them. In a, you think that's better to you? You think that's oh better? yeah, yeah. Because uh, he knows this young. He's a good kid. He he works at it. He's hungry. 
And he knows he's got to get stronger. And all that video and the teaching that he's getting right now in terms of, I don't think in any way, shape, or form the, the setbacks that he has crack this kid at all. Uh, he's very determined. He sticks his nose in there. He's fearless. Uh, none of that's going to break him. So as long as you have a kid who's got fight in him and he's got fight in him, um, I think he's going to improve. He's going to learn. He's going to grow from it and get better. Um, but no, uh, center is an issue. And, and, and obviously the bigger issue is the fact that in the modern NBA now, with such a emphasis on distance shooting, mm-hmm. uh, this team really struggles to shoot the ball on the perimeter. Now, obviously Otto Porter being out for the year, that hurts them. They thought he was going to provide some of that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Precious Achua has been out of the lineup for quite a while. He had a very good second half of the season last year, shooting the ball. And, uh, you know, you put all that together and some of the guys on their roster that have played the, a, a number of minutes, a lot of minutes, haven't shot the ball as well as they're capable of. And you put it all together, you have a team that's 29th in the league in three-point shooting. Well, I you mean, got, let's, face, let's face it, the last, the last two games, their three-point shooting has been pretty darn good. And that's a big difference. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and to that point, I also – that's what I went, said about earlier. I think their ball movement the last two games has been awesome. The ball's gotten to the weak side. Uh, they're cutting harder. They're screening harder. They're they're looking for each other. Uh, the ball's not sticking as much. Right. They look more connected as a team, and they don't look like uh, they're, they're letting the weight of expectation – I think they're getting through all that now and just saying, screw it. We're going to just play and play our game and let the chips fall where they may. They look a little more relaxed. I don't know if, if I'm making any sense. but they. Oh, it does make bo- sense, yeah. Body language is big to me, and I'm, I'm getting a different body language right Good. now. we got to take a break. We'll come back. Jack Armstrong is with us. Back in a moment. The Bob McCowan Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or even becoming a parent. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. The therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and teaching you productive coping skills. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bobcast. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bobcast. Uh, we are back. Jack Armstrong, uh, the uh, voice of the Raptors, or one of the voices of the Raptors. Is, and uh, he's not his... at the piano lounge singing right now. So no. <laughs> we're, we're talking about three-point shooting, and that is a topic that comes up all the time with the Toronto Raptors. Um, why are they where they are right now? 11th or 12th in the standings. Well, three-point shooting is a big part of it. But I'll tell you the other part of it that is not discussed that much, and that's defense. And this is a head coach in Nick Nurse who has pride, prided himself on, on being a sound defensive coach and having a sound defensive philosophy. But this team gives up 120. I know that I know points are up, but they give up too many points, Jack. 
They're just not a great defensive team, at least most nights. As a coach, how do you look at it? Do you think this uh, team has a structure that, that, that they can be successful with? I look at it and say the reason they play defense the way they do is to try to camouflage what they don't have on offense. When, when my mentality to go into a game is to try to turn you over every chance I get, that's high risk. Yep. Secondly, when I'm sending multiple people to the offensive glass, that means every time I send an extra body to the offensive glass, there's one less guy back on defense, and floor balance is a big thing. So if, if I'm sending an extra guy to the offensive glass and if I'm playing high-risk defense, that's telling you something. They're saying, hey, wait a minute. In order for us to have the best chance to win, based upon our talent level and based upon the strengths that we have and the weaknesses we're trying to hide, this is the best chance we have to win. There are going to be times where it looks really ugly and it looks really bad because let's look at football for a minute. If you are a team that blitzes a lot, you'll get to the quarterback, mm -hmm. but you're also going to give up 50-yard passes for touchdowns, and people are going to go nuts when that happens, but they forget about the sack that they got and got off the field now, and, got, and now it's fourth down. So to me, I think there's a method to what they're trying to do. Their problem is people now know what they're doing. I mean, it, you know, after a few years – hey, you can box a one and triangle and two and play one, three, one after a timeout and change your look and scramble and gamble and do all those types of things. But people are coming in saying, hey, this is what the Raptors do. And particularly if you're playing a team that has a day to prepare for that, they're ready for it. And these are professional athletes. And yeah, they'll still turn the ball over and all that. But they're going to carve you up if you don't turn them over. Because now you're caught in situations where you're a step out of where you should be in your coverages because you're trying to get the steal. You're trying to get the deflection. And now it's easier to score. So uh, I, I've coached that way. I've also coached the other way where I'm uh, paint protection conscious, shot contest, block out, don't send a lot of guys to the offensive glass, play a little slower, play a little more conservative uh, because I got to just stay close because that's how my talent level is. Uh, I'm going to try to grind you out in my execution in the half-court offense. They're trying to run. They're trying to get man advantage. They're trying to get quick shots. That's how – so that pace of play, they're trying to play a little faster. And, Bob, you're right. Points are up across the league. Mm -hmm. um, there is – I mean, it's boom, boom, boom. I need a neck brace. It's like I'm watching a great tennis match where it's a long, uh, a long point. Now that's what it is right now. It's just bang, 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 bang. So that's the style of play right now. And I think they feel like if they slow it down and try to be execution-oriented, they don't have enough guys that can win matchups and, 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 and play that way. They need to play a little quicker. And when you play quicker, it looks bad when you, get, when you give up uh, easy scores. And, yeah, they do need to get better when they don't turn you over of being sound in their defensive coverages and making it more difficult for you to score. Is this where lack of size is probably more influential on the way they play defense as opposed to offense? Um, 
lack of size uh, defensively, you know, when you don't have that guy that can protect the rim, uh, no, no question, that hurts you a little bit. Uh, but I think it's more about offensively that when you get in the half court and you say to yourself in a one-on-one matchup, is OG Ananobi winning that matchup and getting to the next level of the defense? Mm-hmm. Is Fred Van Vliet winning that matchup or Gary Trent? Uh, or do they need more of their offense manufactured for them through execution or pace of play where now they have that space already created by the pace of the play? I think Siakam wins a lot of his matchups because he's being guarded, uh, particularly in transition when they're playing fast. You know, if you're stuck with a five-man guarding that guy in space, that guy's like Usain Bolt. Yeah. He just – he never gets tired. He's, his ball skills have gotten incredibly good. His passing is excellent. Uh, he's an incredibly hard guy to stop, whether it be in the full court or the half court. But they don't have that quick lightning water bug guard that can get anywhere he wants to go and then make offense easier for everybody else. And and to me, uh, you know, when you look at a, uh, the Ja Moran types and LaMelo Ball that we saw the other night, those guys get where they, they get to the rim. And when they get to the rim, now everyone else becomes a better player because you got guys that can deal. They can make it happen. You're right. And, and, and you've got guards that can score at the rim. And Van Vliet is not one of those guys. He's, uh, he, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll get the layup up now and again. But he is, he is very small by comparison. And you know, him going to the basket is, is not a remedy for success necessarily as often as, as I would like, at least. Um, you know, no criticism of Van Vliet specifically, but he's a guy I want with the ball outside, and I want him, I want him shooting the threes. Um, hopefully at the rate he has been over the course of his career, not, not what has happened this year. But that's his game, I think. I think sometimes he tries to play like a guy who's, you know, a 6'4 guard because there are plenty of those. Well, but, you know, obviously in his defense, I think there are times he feels like he has to to generate well, offense for others. He needs I, to get as deep in the he – needs, he feels like he needs to get as deep in the paint as possible to bring a second and third defendant so now it opens up offense for teammates. So I, I agree. And, and I'm a huge Fred Van Vliet fan. I think the guy ha- – he has a lot of those same wonderful attributes sure uh, that Kyle Lowry had. And he is a mature – winning guy that anyone would want on their team and would be a pleasure and honor to coach. Yeah. Um, well, look at, uh, you have uh, 40 some odd games left to go in this uh, season. Do you see the Raptors having the kind of, have the ability to have the kind of second half they had last year? Maybe not to that extent, but you know, can this team win 20, 28 games from here on in? Well, they got 41 games left. Uh, do I think that they could go on a run and have a winning second half? Yeah. Do I think they could qualify for the play-in? Yeah. Uh, based upon what happens around them, could they get into the into the uh, top six, six six spot? That's a you know, That's there's tough. a lot of he- it's a lot of heavy lifting now uh, between now and then to get to the six spot. But uh, do I think they could get to where they're a seven or eight uh, team? you know, more of a hosting scenario in a play-in uh, with a chance now to be the seventh or eighth seed uh, playing a one or two in the playoffs. Yeah, 
I do think that could happen. There's a lot of basketball left to play. And, you know, it's interesting. They can apply for an injury exemption and get a few million dollars uh, with the, the situation with Otto Porter. And they also have the trade exception they haven't used yet that they have for, for Goran Dragic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they have the ability to, to, to make a trade with some of that involved as well in terms of the trade exceptions. So uh, there's, if there, there is the ability to add to this group if they want to add. I just, I just I'm, I'm as curious as you guys what it's going to look like the next few weeks. Uh, what is it? Today's January 12th. The trade deadlines uh, less than I think it's 27 days from now. So yeah. I would say the next 10 days uh, by then you're going to know, you know, if they have a good run now, you go, OK, maybe you can add something to this team in 10, 12 days from now. If it doesn't look like it's happening. Then the discussion of the usual high end suspects that mm-hmm. they have on their team prospects, whatever. Uh, well, now there'll be a lot of discussion about are they going to move Gary Trent? Are they going to move Fred Van Vliet or OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam, yada, yada, yada? Yeah, hey, so, go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. Sorry. Well, there are moves that they can they can make, probably many moves that they can make. The question becomes, what do you want in return? What kind of a player do you want to get in return? They can move any one of the guys, and they could get a big haul for somebody like Siakam. They probably get a fair haul for Van you Vliet, can't too. Trade Siakam. You can't but, trade Siakam. I don't think you can, but... But if you wanted to, you could get, uh, you know, you could redo this team pretty quickly, almost from top to bottom. But the question is, if you do a one-for-one kind of a deal, if you do a smaller kind of a deal, what's the player you want? Do you want a big? Do you want, oh, I a, want, you want I a point want, guard? You want a shooter? I want, I want uh, for me, I would love a, a prototypical third guard who can shoot the ball. I mean, I'll give you an example. Now, I'm not proposing a trade or anything like that. I, uh, I look at a, I look at a guy like Terry Rozier uh, mm-hmm. from Charlotte. And the Raptors are going to play another game. He to me would be a great third guard for the Raptors. I look at a guy like uh, Jordan Clarkson with Utah. You know, a guy who can go and a guy who can shoot. Uh, to me, uh, you know, I think they need pop. They need uh, if if and this is a long time ago, but uh, and. If if a, a Lou Williams in his prime, who had a you know who was the sixth man of the year for the Raptors the year yeah, he played for them, yeah, like that that's kind of what they need. They need a guy that can come in off the bench and go like come in and like in the second quarter get you twelve points and suddenly instead of being up three you're up nine at half or yeah. uh, in the middle early part of the fourth quarter he comes in the game and he gets you seven quick points and you're on the road in Denver or Utah or whatever and suddenly. Oh my God, we got a chance to win the game now because this dude came in uh, at the 38 minute mark of the game and, you know, got us a 7 0 run. And now, oh my God, we're up three here with a chance to win. You know, yeah. so they just, they need a little juice. They need a little, they need a, a guard who can create his own, you know what, and shoot the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, that would be the thing that I would love. And I'm just throwing a few, and I'm not saying they're, no, I know. Pr- targets but that to me is uh, if you ask me what i want that's and maybe gary trent's that guy already but give me another guy like that give me another guy like that that to me uh you can talk all you want about center i agree this is not a lot of them out there right now you gotta have another shooter and a guy can go and create and get his own a little bit uh, we've uh, probably only got five minutes or so left, but and we want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your Buffalo Bills. 
I assume you'll be at home this weekend watching. Uh, I unfortunately can't go to the game because I have uh, the Raptor game Saturday night, and then we oh, charter to New York on Sunday. We have an early game on Monday in New York at 3 o'clock, so a little too risky trying to fly in the morning of. You saw what happened yesterday yeah. with the, F- yeah, with the, the FAA airlines. shutting everything. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not. If it was a seven o'clock game, I'd go to the Bills game on Sunday and fly in Monday morning. But uh, I'm not. So I'm going to be watching the plane, uh, the game on the plane. I hope. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm excited about it. Uh, Are you confident? Uh, against Miami, yes. Uh, I was at the last Miami game a few weeks ago in Buffalo, where it snowed in the fourth quarter. It was awesome. It was a winter wonderland. It was beautiful, and they won the game. Uh, they got to stop the run. Miami's going to try to run the heck out of the ball now that two is not playing. Uh, and you can't let a guy like Hill uh, get going. You can't let give him space and throw, let him th- catch the ball five yards and run another 50. Uh, but, you know, obviously for the Bills, you know, their secondary's banged up. And, uh, you know, their best pass rush is out for the year. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I think if the offense protects the ball, they've been a little sloppy of late. Uh, they they got to play. They got to play cleaner football. Number one, uh, you got to play clean playoff football on the offensive end, and then uh, defensively, the defense has got to be so- sound and solid. And I have my concerns with the secondary right now. They're you know pretty banged up, and their pass rush doesn't generate a lot right now. So that's it's going to come down to that. Can the secondary hold up? And can they play clean football on the offensive end? Can you, Jack, can you explain, forget about football, can you explain what the community of Buffalo is really like to live in after we've seen what the DeMar Hamlin episode has created and how everybody has bonded together? And why, and I would assume one of the reasons you still live in Buffalo? Uh, it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's interesting. And I think you guys will agree with me on this. There are certain places that have soul. Uh, too often in, in in professional sports today, uh, you hear this all the time about what is the demographic, uh, like when a team's going to move, you know, what is the disposable income, mm-hmm. what is the corporate base in terms of sponsorship, all that nonsense. And so you could go to a place like Phoenix or one of those cities, and there's no soul. Nobody's from there. Nobody cares. Give me, give me places like Philadelphia and Boston and New York and Buffalo, uh, Cleveland, where people, you know, they're like, they're hardy people. They care. They got to deal with the elements. It's gray. It's cold. It sucks. It's like, but man, you celebrate it. I mean, Bob, I know you're a Browns fan. Uh, I love the people of Cleveland. I love the people. Sure. Uh, they're good people. They're good people. They care, you know. And if you're a phony, they tell you right to your face to screw off. They're real people. Yep. They're not phonies. And too often we get caught up in uh, the wine and cheese crowd. Like, look, I used to love going <laughs> to do games in Oakland when the Warriors play there. Sure. Now you go do a game in San Francisco. It's all these phony people that work in the tech industry that are spending $40 on a glass of wine and they got a piece of cheese and they're getting ripped off and they don't even know what they're watching. They got their head in the cell phone, you know? So to me, when people go to a Buffalo Bills game, 
They actually watch the game. Yeah. And they actually know the game and they give a damn. And they're there five hours before the game. And it's the same thing with the Sabres. The Sabres have been terrible for a long time, but now they're starting to show a little life again. And uh, I just, I love that about this community. I was out for, I'm a runner. I was out, I run every day. I was out running this morning. Everyone's got their Christmas lights down, but now everybody's got Buffalo Bill signs in their front lawn. You know, and they got lights and believe and all this stuff, Josh Allen, this, that, and the other thing. It's just a way of life. And it's a really, and, and look, this community has been through a lot. Two blizzards, uh, obviously the horrible tragedy at the top supermarket back last year. And then obviously the whole thing with the more Hamlin and uh, it's just been horrible. And yet people push on and I, it would be great if, uh, if they could get to a Super Bowl and have a chance to win it. It would be just incredible for this community. It's a loyal it's like a Green Bay. I, you know, and I've never been to Green Bay. It's on my bucket list, but I really want to go to a game at, at Lambeau Field. But that's the feeling I get. And no, I get it. I love I love it. I love it. And you know, you're you're a Browns fan, so you get it. It's people <laughs> people care. It matters. It really matters. And uh, when when I meet young people that come work for the Bills from out of town. And, you know, they come from a lot of other places and a lot of them don't get it. And then after a few years, they're here. They're like, oh, my God, people are coming out in their snowmobiles to help get the players to the airplane. Right you know, on. they're yeah. going to their they're going to their driveways to help them dig out. If you're, <laughs> a player, if you're a player, you're probably not growing up saying I want to play for the Buffalo Bills. You know, no, you want to play for some sexy franchise. And yet. The guys that come here and play here, a lot of them stay and live here. And even if they don't live here, when they come back here, they love it because it matters more. And, yeah. and I'll say this, I'll say this even about like the Toronto Raptors. When you look at the Raptors compared to the other 29 teams in the NBA, when players play here, they're treated like gods here. Yeah. It is it is an amazing place to play. I have not ever met a Raptor player when they come back that says they had a lot. They loved it here because people treated them right because people care. And I think that's that fabric that matters. Mm -hmm. Jack, we wish the Buffalo Bills a success on the weekend. Uh, we hope your travel arrangements all work out all right for you and that you get to see the, your Bills play. And we uh, thank you, as always, for uh, being a part of our show. We, we greatly appreciate it. We hope you'll do it again sometime. Always an honor and privilege to be on with you guys, uh, Bob and John, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, pal. That's uh, the coach. We'll be back in a minute. Our thanks to Jack Armstrong for uh, joining us. Well, what say you, Shannon? Do you think that uh, Mr. Armstrong painted a um, an accurate portrayal of the Toronto Raptors? Um, I think that uh, Jack is always a cup half full guy. Always has been. Always will be. Which yeah. and I re I respect that because I'd like to think I am that way myself most of the time. You are, uh, but uh, I I think the point that you made and I think that one that we've hammered here for the last two weeks is the valid one is that um, this fan base from coast to coast now not just in Toronto but this fan base wants championships. It's spoiled. And how do you create championships and 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 does this have does this group have a core to create a championship and and I don't I don't think it does so
Well, this is a, I, I project if, if you're going to project the Toronto Raptors to do anything in the second half, I think what you maybe you aspire to is is they're they're in the playing game. Well, they're, you know, Jack said Jack said, you know, fifty you know, eight, 50 nine, ten is, seed. Yeah, fifty wins might be difficult. Forty one might be difficult, Bob. Sure it is. I, I think mean, it, to be five hundred to be five hundred with this club this year might be at this point might be a a miracle if it might be the the best coaching Nick Nurse has done in the next forty one games. And it's been a strange season in the NBA. It's hard to find. You know, there, there's the odd very good team, but there is there a great team out there? I don't think there is. There's no dominant team. No. And there's a whole bunch of teams that are just kind of like a little bit better than the Raptors, but not that much. And and, and again, that's what will uh, that will be the allure of certain people within the Raptors organization, and I would say, i.e., ownership. That would say maybe we can still hang on and and do something in the play in and in the playoffs, and that that will be the that will be the biggest dilemma for Masai and 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 for Bobby Webster and and this whole crew is to you know decide whether you know having two extra home games is worth it. But you're not going to make a deal, in my mind. You don't make a deal to get into the playoffs. If you're going to make a deal, you make a deal based on the long term, don't you? Oh yeah, no, no. I, I, I think you have. To, I think what we're talking about is if you're doing any deals, is you're trying to improve your core. You're trying to improve your core, not, you know, have do a band aid for right, exactly. That's for, what I for, mean for extra playoff games. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, we'll see how things go. Uh, we've got to go with thanks to uh, Jack Armstrong for being with us. For John Shannon, Bob McCown, have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody.